Um, man, all that to say, what a great and amazing group of teachers we've had, right? What a blessing. Uh, it's one of the things I really love about being here is I feel like we all can be vulnerable, honest, and transparent. And I think in doing so, when you bring these struggles to life, it takes power away from them because we all share in that together. So what an amazing place we have. Um, don't expect any of that from me today, right? So with that, let's, let's, uh, let's get into it here. Um, Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Man, what a powerful section for us, right? Huge. I feel like Paul had a mic drop here after he said this. Uh, I know there's no mics back then, but uh, what a powerful statement. Um, so as I looked up condemnation, I, I just wanted to look up some of the definition to it, right? And, and I just want to read some of this to you. The expression of very strong disapproval, censor, the action of condemning someone to punishment, sentencing. But I also went down and, and looked at some of the opposites, which I found really, really interesting. One of the main ones was the opposite of praise. I found like that just really set it home for me, right? Nothing good about it. And so I feel like this is something that we all deal with on a daily basis, whether we want to or not, right? Um, and what does that source of condemnation generally look like? It generally looks like thoughts that enter our mind, right? Where do these thoughts come from? They come from our brain, right? But they come from the power of sin. They're lies. They can enter our brain because it's flesh. Therefore, the power of sin can live in our flesh, right? And if we don't have a filter to filter some of these out, we can begin to believe some of these, which affect our mind and the rest of us. They can tell us that this is always our nature, even though we've been saved and we've been redeemed by faith, that our nature is creating these lies, which is not true, right? So I just want to give you guys, hopefully today, a little picture. Maybe we can build a filter. So when these thoughts come into your mind, you can immediately filter them and say lie, truth, right? So today's race day. Uh, with that, I brought a couple props here. And so one of these is uh, one of today's pole sitters for the race, the pole sitter, Scott Dixon's helmet. Um, it's fortunate, fortunate enough for him to, to give to me, which I'll forever cherish, but uh, I brought it today because a helmet does a couple things, right? It protects your head, first off, right? Keeps all the debris and the rain and the dirt and some of that stuff off. Allows you to do your job. So it's a protector. In the front of here is some vents. It gets really hot in these things. So this, this vents in the front allows some air to come in to cool your head. And they have filter screens in front of them, right, to filter out some of that debris, old rubber. So I want you guys to, to remember that as we build this filter for your thoughts, right? So let's talk about how these thoughts come in. 
generally they come in in a first-person sense, right? When these thoughts enter your mind, these condemning thoughts, what do they look like? Could sound like I'm a bad father. I'm a terrible friend. I'll never be a good Christian. I'm a bad mother. I don't have anything to live for. I know God can't love me. These are all from the power of sin and should be immediately filtered right away. Anything that is condemning you and your person is a lie. That's not something that comes from God or our godly nature once we've been transformed, right? Now, there, there can be some thoughts that sound similar to that that could be created from our godly nature, like, I hate lying. I disapprove of adultery. They're attacking the sin, those thoughts are, but they're not attacking you as a person. Does that make sense? So next time you get some of those thoughts, just begin to filter them out to protect your mind, to protect you, to filter so you can do your job, right? The other part is just be grounded in your identity. Know who you are. Know how Christ loves you. All of this, right? Last week, uh, Cohen came... I should say Holly and I came in the house and and Cohen was on his iPad and we have set up some screen time limits uh, like a lot of parents do, but he was still on his iPad. And so Holly was a little miffed as to why, because it had been obviously long enough. And so she asked him, Cohen, aren't you up on time? And he kind of didn't say anything, but she grabbed the iPad uh, and started to look at it. And he got up and, and you could see he was visibly worried, right? He was starting to get upset, and he came up and he said, the screen time came up and I approved it for longer, right? So you could see this internal struggle with him because his brain, his flesh, was telling him that if he told Holly or us, he was going to be condemned. But his mind, which is part of his new nature because he's been redeemed by faith, was telling him to tell the truth. So when he told Holly this, Holly just grabbed him, and she loved him. That's all she said was, listen, you're not in trouble. You told the truth. I love you. And I got to think that's a perfect picture of what Christ wants for us with this verse. That's all he wants. There is no condemnation because we're in Christ, right? Romans 8.2, because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So this could be a little bit confusing, right? Romans 7, we're no longer under law, right? In fact, Romans 7.6 says, but now we've been released from the law since we've died to what held us, so that we may serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the old letter of the law. But it says law twice in this passage, right? So let's dive into that a little bit. Uh, I actually learned this week um, a little bit about this. So in the Greek form of law has two applications, depending on how it's used, right? 
So one of those applications is principle. It means principle. The other application is it means God's law, right? Well, depending on how you see that in Scripture, so if you see the little l, the lowercase l of law, it means principle. If you see the uppercase l when it's used in Scripture, that means God's law. Great little trick. Thanks to Rusty for helping me out with that. So let's plug that in again, reading this, right? Little l in Romans 8.2, because the principle of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the principle of sin and death. Big difference, right? Big difference. Romans 6.22 through 23 says, but now since you've been set free from sin and have become enslaved to God, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification. And the outcome is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen to that, right? It goes hand in hand with what we just read. Romans 8.3, For what the law could not do, since it was weakened by, by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. So big L here, right? Can't see it there, but it's a big L. So back to the Mosaic law. Talks, Paul's talking about the law was weakened by flesh. What do we think that means? Right? So we were born of that Adamic or sinful nature due to Adam's choice. So we can't fulfill the law in our own strength, right? We don't know truth as we're unredeemed, lost. Therefore, we can't fulfill the law, and the law cannot give us righteousness, right? Only God can do that. Only, only justified by faith can do that. So he sent his son, Christ, who was not born of the same sinful nature as us, right? Therefore, he could be the perfect lamb or the perfect sacrifice to fulfill scripture, to fulfill prophecy, right? So that's what Paul is kind of talking about in this verse, uh, especially the second half. Romans 8, 4, in order that the law's requirements would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Same thing here again. Big L. Walk according to the flesh. I just want to touch on this here. Uh, and, and you'll see in these coming verses, Paul is going to start hammering some of this home, right? So let's, let's just dive into some of this. What's it mean to walk according to the flesh? It means we're lost, right? We're unredeemed. We're not living, letting the, letting the Spirit live through us, right? So Paul is going to start really referencing this in these upcoming verses. What's it mean to be justified by faith, right? Letting the Spirit live through us. You'll fulfill the law due to our new nature, right? So he's talking about here, the law's requirements would be fulfilled in us if we walk according to the Spirit. So in our own power, can't fulfill the law, right? If we're justified by faith and we let the Spirit live through us, the Spirit absolutely can fulfill the law and will fulfill the law, right? Because that's your new nature, the Spirit's nature. 
Romans 8, 5. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Once again, Paul's hitting on walking according to the flesh, so lost, unredeemed, right? Uh, the Getchell brothers, I think, told a story a couple weeks ago about Rusty holding up a red shovel during the service. And he said, don't look at the red shovel. What do you immediately want to do? You want to look at the red shovel, right? Can't take your eyes off it. And so Paul is kind of referring to that here. If you're living in the flesh, that's all you can see. That's all you want to do, right? That's your sinful nature. More, more, more. It's the same if you're letting the Spirit live through you, right? So stay in the Word. Let the Spirit walk this thing for you. Keep your eyes on the Lord, and that's where you'll focus. And life will be so much easier, right? Not in our strength, in His strength. Romans 8, 6 says, Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. Man, once again, Paul is hammering home Walking by the flesh is death. That it's apart from Christ, right? And when we're apart from Christ, we can do nothing. What does the flesh contain? So we all have flesh, right? Our flesh can contain the power of sin, right? What's the power of sin made up of? Lies, condemnation, guilt, shame, all these things. And so when we have that mindset of the flesh, can just live in there and breed in there and continue, continue to do that, right? But the spirit, once we're justified by faith, breeds peace. Hope breathes life into us. Paul continues to hammer these points home, right? John 10.10, Jesus says, A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it abundantly. I want you to replace thief here with flesh or power of sin. The power of sin comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, right? So if we start listening to our flesh, that's what that power of sin wants to do, wants to take over, right? That's why we need that filter. Immediately filter it out. Live by the Spirit so we can have life and have it abundantly. Paul goes into Romans 8, 7 and says, The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. So this week we had a, a bit of a situation at work. We had a, um, uh, a dust controller go out. So it's a dust recovery system. It's got a big 10-horse electric motor on it. And so uh, we ended up changing the thing out, and I had an electrician come out because it had actually burned up uh, a couple of our breakers in a breaker box and, and got the bus bar really hot. 
So got the motor changed out, got it up and going. Um, and then the next day, we started having trouble with the other dust collection system. And so these two were on the same bus bar. Not that that means anything to you guys, but the two breakers were right next to each other in the breaker box, right? So it would run for about five minutes. The breaker would get super hot, and it would, it would shut off. So, so I called uh, electricians that came out the day before. They could not come out. They were booked all the way through Tuesday. So I called another electrician, and he came out. And we started looking at it and took the panel off. And in the back of the breaker, the electrician had left the wires loose, right? So one of the leads was actually melting, arcing. And it's what was getting so hot, shutting this thing off. Pretty scary because we've got a lot of sawdust flying around and, and could easily be a fire, right? But we got it fixed, got it up and going. And, and I, I called the uh, initial company that the electrician came out and, and did that work for us, the, the one who ended up leaving, leaving the wires loose. And I was telling the guy the situation, and uh, he kind of got defensive, right? And he didn't want to believe it. And he said, you know, man, that's, that's not this guy's character. That's not his nature to do things like this. I have a tough time believing this. Well, then I sent him the pictures, right? And almost immediately his attitude changed because he was able to see it, right? And so I got to feel this is kind of this way right here. Somebody who's in the flesh can become really hostile to God because they don't know any truth, right? Because they're, they're unredeemed, they're lost. As soon as you can show them that truth, right? And they can be justified by faith. It's a whole different story. So I kind of think that's, that's what Paul's talking to. He's speaking to right here, right? Romans 8.8, 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. A lot of the same points continue hammered home here, right? Who's in the flesh? Unredeemed, lost. Why can't they please God? They're Adamic nature. They don't know any truth, right? They can't. That's what they're born into. Romans 8, 9. Paul says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So what's the distinction that Paul is trying to make here? A believer who has been redeemed by faith is in the spirit, and someone who is lost is unredeemed and does not have the spirit living inside them, right? Kind of went over that. But let me ask you this. What about a Christian who's turned away from God and is not living their life according to the spirit? Where do they stack up in all of this? They're walking by the flesh, but not in the flesh. Does that make sense? Let me say that again. They're walking by the flesh, but not in the flesh, right? Big difference. They're still redeemed. For a period, they may be walking by the flesh, but that's a big difference from being lost and being unredeemed. Huge difference. 
And that can happen to, to any of us, right? We can turn away for a season, not pay attention. Our filter can break down, our helmet's off, can begin to start to walk by the flesh, become hostile, but we're still redeemed. We can still turn back easily. You know, my grandma was a huge part of my brother and I's life growing up. We actually moved out and lived with her the later part, parts of our adolescence, and, and she helped raise us. And, uh, man, I'm forever thankful for that. Later in life, she got Parkinson's, uh, which was a terrible disease. Um, it was really tough to watch her go through that. But a big part of that, too, is, is she was always a Christian and later in her Parkinson stage, um, she began to get really angry, right? She, she didn't understand how God would let some of this happen. She didn't have answers, right? And she started to listen to some of those thoughts that our brain produces because it's of the flesh and holds the power of sin. So I hated to see it. I understood where she was coming from, but her filter had broken down. Her helmet was off because she was going through this terrible disease and painful, right? And I think that can be any of us. But I can, I can sleep at night knowing that she's still redeemed, right? That she may have been walking by the flesh in that moment, but she was not in the flesh. Big difference. Important to understand that distinction. Paul goes on to talk in Romans 8.10 and says, Now if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives us life because of righteousness. So like Shannon and Dan talked about, we're a three-part being, right? Body, soul, and spirit. Our body, is, as, long as, as well as the rest of us, is born dead to this Adamic nature, Right? But when we accept Christ, that old man is done away with, and life is brought about, right? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Amen, right? Amen. So what is our old man? You guys hear us talk about old man being done away with, right? It's all tied into the this three-part being. It's our nature, first off. Our spirit and soul are transformed, right? When we are redeemed by faith. It does so many things, but just like 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, we're a new creation. We're holy and blameless, Ephesians 1.13. Perfected, Hebrews 10.14. Made a saint, 1 Corinthians 1, 2. Guys, the list goes on and on, but this old man is done away with and we're ushered in as a whole new creation, right? Don't forget that. It's a huge part of your identity. Paul goes on in Romans eight eleven and says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through a spirit who lives in you. Man. 
we have the same spirit living in us that raised Christ from the dead. Let me say that again. We have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead living in us. Man, life and life abundantly, right? Let the spirit live through you and your body will become life. That's what Paul's talking about here, right? That the spirit will bring life to our mortal bodies. If we let the spirit live our life for us, it brings life to us. It breathes life into us. We have life and life abundantly. We're filtering. We've got that discernment. We're breaking things down. It's not getting to our core, right? Our helmet's on. I want you guys to think of it like this. We've got a couple guys in here who, who are in the car sales business. Uh, one of them will be up here next week, Mr. Scott Blewett. Uh, but... Our bodies, if you guys think of it like this, and I apologize if anybody drives a Prius, but our body is a Prius, right? It's this... <laughs> yeah, well, our body is a Prius. But when we're made new, when we've been justified, we get all this undercarriage and all the internal workings of an Indy car, right? And I know I'm making silly comparisons to the race today, but honestly, I I want you guys to think of it like that because a lot of us, myself included, I I continue to drive like I'm in a Prius when I should be driving like I'm in an Indy car, right? Let the Spirit live your life for you. It's there all the time. It's there. So I want to wrap this up, be conscious of time here. Um, Man, what a pivotal section of Scripture for us as Christians, right? No condemnation for those who are in Christ. Man, burn that into your brain. Burn that into your mind, not your brain. Your brain's flesh, but (laughs) burn it into your mind. Um, And I hope you can grasp that a little bit, honestly. If you can, it just makes your life so much more abundant. Use your filter. On a daily basis, we get thoughts of condemnation attacking our person. They're lies, guys. They're lies. Filter them out and and deal with them as such. If you can understand that that lie... It's not produced by your sinful nat- by your new nature. It's not a God thought. Then you can easily have power over it, right? You know it's power of sin producing that thought. You can immediately speak into it to be done with. I know it's not easy on a daily basis, but just try to remember some of that. Live your life abundantly, right? Don't put guardrails on your life. Let the Spirit lead you where He wants. And I want to encourage you to be intentional when encountering condemnation, to squash it right away. 
Don't even let it creep in. There's no need for it. Don't let anybody or anything attack your person or condemn you. Like it said in the definition, it's sentencing, right? It's the opposite of praise. It can be powerful and grip you. Don't let it. Most of all, live your life without condemnation, without guilt, without shame, without regret. Make sure there's no place for that in your life. There doesn't need to be. And live like you have the Spirit of God living inside you, right? Even if you have that Prius, Scott. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time today. Uh, as we're here as family, Lord, um, and I thank you for this amazing word that you've given Paul to give to us, that there is no condemnation, Lord. And I got to feel like you just want us to run into you so, we, so you can put your arms around us and let us know that. Lord, I pray for everybody as they go through this week that you'd protect them, that they would be able to introduce this filter, Lord, that you've given us to filter out any kind of condemnation or lies that want to enter into our brain and take over our mind, Lord. I pray that your spirit would just live through us, that it would take power over these thoughts and squash them, and that we could live this abundant life that you've envisioned for us and that you've given us thanks to your son's sacrifice. Lord, I love you, and I thank you, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Nice work, Nicole. Yes. So... On the right side of this, the paddle is to like upshift, and the left side is to downshift. Correct. Is there any way to install this in my car? (laughs) Is it possible? Probably not. Oh. (laughs) Oh, man. Did you hear that? Now we're having fun, right? Huh? I was just thinking, though, like, you know, to shift, there's, there's no clutch here. It's there just, is. These bottom ones are the clutch, actually. So, so these like, are hand-operated. So they, they have to do both? So only when leaving the pits, you need the clutch. But when they're out on the track... It, the, the computer automatically cuts the motor for a millisecond to engage a gear or downshift a gear. So you can completely leave your foot on the gas at all times, upshift, downshift, doesn't matter. So... You realize uh, that process right there. Some of the people out here heard what you said this morning, what you taught this morning, and they're having to press the clutch in and actually manually shift the car. Hmm. But the the transitioning of our mind, the renewing of our mind, is putting this thing in there where it's just... Don't even think about it. It's just... So some of you are in the process of replacing the old with the new, and it's so much easier, and it's so much more fun to drive. If you can figure out what he just shared with you this morning, it's a beautiful thing. And I, I honestly believe it's not your responsibility to do it. I think it's the Spirit's responsibility to do it in you. 
Amen. And so that's what we pray for, is that the Lord continues to renew your mind with this thinking, this process. I say it all the time, we want to brainwash you in here. I'd love to brainwash you with this mindset that there is no condemnation, that you are holy, righteous, and redeemed, that you do have a new life in Christ. All these things, it sure makes shifting a lot easier. Amen. Nice job. Thanks. Thank you.